I'm Josh Capon. You're listening to Beyond the Plate with the one and only Cappy. I walk around some of my restaurants sometimes, and I don't even have the chef jacket anymore. And not everybody knows who I am. And I'm just walking up the tables, I'm like, hey, how we doing, everything good? And I'm like, they're like looking at me like, yeah, it's fine. Like, uh, are, you, are you eating here too? Like, what are you checking on? So I'm like, oh, I actually work here. Hey everyone, this is Cappy, and you're listening to Beyond the Plate, a podcast where I sit down in person with the world's culinary elite to explore their journey into the industry and the social impact they have made in their community. Every episode, we share inspiring stories of what it means to be in today's hospitality industry. This episode was also recorded live from the 17th Annual Food Network and Cooking Channel South Beach Wine and Food Festival. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Sir Kensington's Condiments. Sir Kensington's is on a mission to bring integrity and charm to ordinary and overlooked food. If you know me, you know I love Sir Kensington's. Their award-winning condiments include ketchups and mayos and mustards and an eggless mayo product called Fabinase. This is the first commercial product ever made from aquafaba. Aquafaba is the water left over after cooking chickpeas. So for all you vegans or friends of vegans, this product is for them. Each Sir Kensington's product is nutritionally conscious, delicious, and non-GMO project verified. I recently finally got my hands on their new ranch dressing, which happens to be a dairy-free product, which is interesting. And I used it for what else? Pizza. Who doesn't love to dip their pizza crust in ranch or just dip their whole slice of pizza in ranch? Also recently used their chipotle mayo, which I talked about. I had some leftover grilled corn on the cob. I cut the corn off the cob, put it in a bowl, heated it up a little bit put a little dollop of that chipotle mayo, some lime juice, and a little Mexican all-purpose seasoning. Ah, so good. Anyhow, to learn more about Sir Kensington's, please visit SirKensington's.com or follow them on social media at Sir Kensington's. Sir Kensington's, we thank you. Okay, back to it. For this episode, we sat with Chef Josh Capon. Here is what I could tell you about Josh. He is hilarious. He is a super fun guy, very kind, very hospitable, and he's a family man. This is a chef like many, but this guy truly doesn't stop. And you may have seen him riding his little bike with some bullhorns on it around New York City. It's quite hilarious, but that's how he gets around from restaurant to restaurant. He has great restaurants, by the way, in New York City and one in Miami, which I'll touch on in a second here. He's a dad. He's a sports fan. I encourage you to follow him on social media. Overall, he's just a good friend. And in a more serious note, he is not serious, formal, more formal note. He's the executive chef and partner of Mercer Street Hospitality. This is the crew behind downtown New York City's favorites, such as Lure Fish Bar, which is also in Miami and South Beach, B&B Wine Pub, El Toro Blanco, and Bowery Meat Company, an awesome restaurant. Josh has appeared on numerous television shows, including Spike TV's Frankenfood, Rachel Ray Show, CBS Early Show, Today Show, Food Network. He went to the University of Maryland. He then transferred from Maryland to Johnson & Wales University to study culinary. And Josh worked for some great chefs in New York City, such as Charlie Palmer, David Burke, Gray Coons, three big names there. Before he went to do a program abroad, and he worked in seven different restaurants throughout a year in France, Italy, Germany, and Spain. 
In addition to his other restaurants that I previously mentioned, he has one called Bash Burger, which he opened in 2017 at City Field, where the Mets play in New York. This is based on his Bash-style burger, which won Rachel Ray's Burger Bash at the New York City Wine and Food Festival and South Beach Wine and Food Festival. Six times he won. And this guy's charitable work includes, you'll hear about uh, Wellness in the Schools, which is Chef Bill Telepan in New York, an organization that he works closely with. We heard about this organization before, though, from Rocco Desperado during his interview and some other chefs as well. Josh doesn't seem to go too, too deep into charity work and giving back, but I actually know that he does go very deep into charity work and giving back. I don't know if it was his humble humble self coming out and not wanting to get too deep into it. But he talks a little bit about wellness in the schools and going to his kid's school. But I know that this is a guy who's there for his friends and loved ones. And he gives back in his own way, whether it's attending events and sampling food from his restaurants or giving gift certificates to his restaurants, to auctions, or the 100 other ways that chefs decide to give back. I'm going to stop here, but please enjoy this conversation as we go beyond the plate with Chef Josh Capon. Only my mother calls me Joshua, but that's okay. What's up, Cappy? It's good to chat with you, man. It's always nice to chat with you. Here on the second floor of the beautiful Lowe's Hotel during the South Beach Food and Wine Festival. One of the glorious weekends of the year for us culinary folk. You tell them. Full disclosure, I know Josh. And Josh cracks me up because randomly, even though I don't live in New York, when I'm in New York... I see Josh riding his bike around the city, and he has a bike with bullhorns on it, and he has a helmet with bullhorns on it, because one of his restaurants is El Toro Blanco. The white bull. The white bull. Dolphin fin on the back to represent Lord Fish Bar. Is there? I never noticed that. And there's a burger bell, a bacon bell to represent burger and barrel. <laughs> this is amazing. In reality, you're one of the most hospitable chefs I know. And someone said, what do you mean he's the most hospitable chef? And I said, I send friends of friends, neighbors into Josh's restaurant, and he comes out of the kitchen to make them feel like they're the only person in the restaurant. And you know how important that is, and I I think it's a truly incredible thing. But more important, it's, it's a very nice compliment, by the way. Thank you. Of course, you're welcome. It's it's the truth. You're a four-time, four-time champion, six-time champion of Rachel Ray's annual Burger Bash competition. Josh, what makes a good burger? You know, I think what makes a good burger, it, it's really, and, and and it sounds like funny, but a lot of love. It really does. Look, we're all buying great meat. Most of our meat comes from Pat Lafreda. We're all buying great buns, but it's really the execution. You know, it's it's almost like the movie, like Water for Chocolate. I mean, I think when somebody bites into the signature bash burger, I mean, you taste those championships. You taste, you 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 taste it, and there's something special about it. And I just, you know, when it's done well, there's absolutely nothing better. You know, it's funny because people say, "How do you taste so many burgers when there's 30 of them around the burger bash?" I'm like, honestly, I try not to eat the ones that I've had before, but also take a bite of it and if it's so delicious take another yeah. if you don't need to take but like you're saying when you taste yours i take another we also when we did the bash burger we always used to cut them into quarters yeah so when you bit into that quarter i like to say it was, it was like the money shot it was the i mean it was the bite. perfect bite of a burger yeah. and if you want another one grab another one so for those people who do not have the privilege of knowing you describe no, <laughs> This is Josh Capon. Josh, describe Josh in three words. 
Wow. Um, uh, excited, uh, loving, caring, hospitable. That's four. Four. I can go. I, but those uh, are great. Yeah. Those, no, yeah. I think those first three are show. perfect. You have six restaurants, more than most, but not as much as some. That's Cappy's way of saying, well, you're doing it right, but you haven't quite made it yet, kid. No, that's, that's <laughs> not true. How big, is the, how big is the Cape on Empire going or growing? You know, I got to tell you, the restaurant business is tough these days. It man. is, it especially really in New York. Is. And my, my biggest struggle with is not, uh, not being everywhere where I want to be. And I think the more places you open, the less you are at most of them. Yeah. And I think that's very challenging for me. And I admire so many other guys for being able to do it. But I kind of like being around them. Even down here in Miami, I'm not here enough because when I'm here, it's a different restaurant. I mean, we were packed in there last night with everybody in the world and everybody in the culinary world. And it's just fun. And I'm running around doing my thing. And that's what I love. And even my staff was feeding off my energy. Um, so it's tough. I mean, right now, I'm, listen, I think Lore, I think Lore Fish Bar is such a great brand. Yeah. Um, I think Barry Meat Company is such a great brand, El Toro Blanco. And on one hand, I think we should have 20 of these things all over the world. Yeah. But on the other hand, we're really happy with what we're doing. We concentrate on our product. It's They're all downtown in Soho, so I visit almost all of them every day. And it's tough, but it's... Is it hard to, to have Lure in Miami? I mean, I'm sure you come down here on a I monthly I come down basis, as often as I can. You know, most importantly, you have to trust the teams that you have in play and making sure that, you know, when, when whoever it is walks in the door, feels that cape on love. I mean, feels that true generosity of saying, hey, thanks for coming here over the other 7,000 restaurants, wherever you are. Seriously. What's the process for a new restaurant of yours? I mean, why... Why into Mexican? Why into Italian? Is it, is it something you wanted to do, or is there no, something behind I think, that? I think between my partner John McDonald and I, sometimes we just get an idea, and you know, eventually you grab a space, and then you just kind of run with it. You know. Um, but for any chef or business owner, it's hard to give up control. It, six is a lot, especially in New York City. How are you delegating at your restaurant? Yeah, yeah. Listen, I think the toughest part of this business, and probably any business in general, is staffing, is personnel. It's finding good people that you trust to do the job that you need to get done. You know, and, and most of the time unsupervised, and most of the time in a restaurant space where there's drinks and there's alcohol and there's computers. And you know, when I, when I walk into a restaurant, my, my my manager is sitting in the office on a computer at seven o'clock. I'm just looking at them like, what are you doing? Like, we're, we're in dinner service. Like, this is it. You don't just sit down in the middle of the game. Like, what could you possibly be doing right now on the computer that's more important than 100 people in the dining room? You know, you just have to make sure you get people, you know, you know, when I hire somebody, I'm like, you know, even something as simple as no drinking. You know, I hate to say it, but the restaurant business can do some of that because it's right there. But, you know, just because you had a bottle of whiskey on your desk all day doesn't mean you'd be like, oh, you know what, I'm going to just, you know, take it. It's very challenging. I think staffing is the biggest challenge because you want to be able to find good people that not just represent you, but that you could trust to do the job and get it done. Do you feel like you have to be in... Like no, no, but, but you know, one of my favorite things is showing up to a place and not having to say anything, just say, hey, nice job or whatever. But when you walk in, it's like, you know, when you walk in, there's nobody at the podium. Like if you walk in, you're, you're a restaurant guy. You walk into the restaurant, you're all excited to be here. There's nobody there to say, hey, good evening, welcome to wherever the hell you are. You're kind of looking around like it's almost like the first sign of like, why is that person not in their post? You know, whatever it is. And then you might notice, you know, the, the lights, the, the music, the heat. Like All of a sudden, you know, you, you know a restaurant classically is supposed to restore, right? We know that when you walk into a restaurant, something's supposed to take over. I mean, I, I, one of my favorite restaurant experiences was, uh, was um, Boulay back in the day. New York restaurant spot, they had this huge wooden door. And I'll never forget it. My dad took me there out of culinary school. And you walk in, and there's this monster wood door, and you open up this door, and, and, and you went into like a little room, and there were just boxes of apples and, and, and flowers and just oranges and everything all over the place. And that door shut behind you, and it rather slammed. It didn't just shut, it slammed. 
And then your senses took over of these smells that way you are. And something really clicked, like like you were not in New York City anymore. I mean, hmm. your senses just took over. You still remember? I, I feel do. like you still I, remember I, those. No, no, it was, it was, I was literally out of culinary school. It was probably my, one of my most memorable dining experiences. And I just looked around. I was like, wow, like I've just, I'm someplace else. And for a restaurant space that was really somewhat below street level, not much of a view. You're, in a, you're pretty much in a basement, but they just, they, they made it so pretty that you could have been anywhere in the world in that basement. So I, I think it's a nice, uh, I don't know what my point was, but anyway. No, I think uh, that was a great explanation. It's true. One of, the, one of the first restaurants I worked at in high school, I remember the owner, how particular he was with the valet company. Like he wanted the carpet clean. Yeah. He wanted the guy, you know, no airings, all this stuff. Because at the end of the day, He's hiring that ballet company, but that's your first impression when you're rolling to the restaurant. It's an extension of your brand. If you roll up and there's someone with ripped pants or, you know, smells or something like that, you're about to go into a meal and you've now had this negative, you know, connotation. I see your social media. You're good. Social media is the (laughs) end of the world. But there's great people coming into your restaurant. There's celebrities, there's athletes, politicians, all these folks. Who is the last person in your restaurant? Do you ever get nervous in front of these people? Or who was the last person that maybe made you nervous to cook for or serve your food to? I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think I get nervous. Sometimes I get excited. You know? <laughs> my friends used to make a joke that when I put on my chef coat, I was like Superman. Do, was, your, was like do this, your nerves come change. through as excitement? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't think it's so much ner- I mean, nervous would be, nervous would be like John George, Thomas Keller kind of guy where, you, where you're cooking. Is, that's really what they're judging. Yeah. When, when, when most people come through, I think it's just an excitement of having them in the house and really wanting to, to take care of them and really show them like, wow, you know, most people, whoever it is, whether they play for the Giants or when they, when they come in once, they're hooked. You know, no pun intended when it comes to lore, but they're <laughs> hooked because they just know like shit's just hitting the table. They're having a good time. They don't have to worry about a thing and they're tr- being treated really, really well. And that, and that doesn't, and I don't, by the way, it's not whether you're a celebrity or not, but when you come into my restaurant, everybody should feel it's that. anybody, Because anybody, yeah. that's what keeps it coming back, and that's what creates a memorable dining experience. But I just get excited. Like, once I throw on that jacket, I'm like, get the hell out of my way. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And so one of my best friends told me, K-Pon, you got to be able to channel that same energy, whether you have this, the, the chef coat on or not. Because, you know, you put that chef coat on, it's like, you know, got something it. very spiritual about it. It's like Clark Kent's, you know, you put that jacket on, it's like, I got this. Yeah. But at the same time, to be able to channel that energy without the jacket and have the confidence to do so, it's kind of fun. I, 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 I walk around some of my restaurants sometimes and I don't even have the chef jacket anymore and I, I'm just walking around and not everybody knows who I am and I'm just walking up the tables I'm like hey how we doing everything good and I'm like they're like looking at me like who's this yeah, guy it's fine like uh, are, you, are you eating here too like what are you checking on so I'm like oh I actually work here I'm just not wearing a chef jacket but. you're a family man how do you balance how do you balance this how do you balance the restaurant life with your family are there any rules or deals that you make with your wife I don't have to make deals, or I, I, I understand that question, but I have, an, I have an absolutely incredible wife that I feel very, very, very fortunate to have. Yeah. Love you, Lori. But I, th- I think the most important is that she gets me. She knows who and what she married, and I'm crazy as a loon sometimes, but you know, one, one thing that I think I do very well is, is the balance, is the um, making sure. I think the toughest thing, you know, we, we, live in, we live in a crazy world, Cappy. I mean, we really, and, and, and we're getting crazier, and, and with cell phones and everything else, and attention spans when it comes to kids, and even adults, I mean, everybody's staring at their phone all day. Mm-hmm. I, I try to really make it a point that, you know, I was just talking to my dad, that my dad, my dad I was telling my kids what dad, my dad taught me years ago, carpe diem. 
And it's really about being in the moment and maximizing the moment. And, and I think it's really, really important to teach kids and yourself to, to control it. And, and where you are and who you're with is more important than anything else. And, and with cell phones and everything else, there's tons of distractions. But you got to figure it out that, that where you are, no matter what you're doing, focus on it and enjoy it and, and be with the people that you're with. Whether you're, look, I work in the restaurant business. I see people coming for dinner. Six people, they're all on their phones. And I go to the table and I'm like standing there like waiting for one of them to actually look up like uh, the chef's at our table, like is what's going on. And I'm just like, hey, you know, like everybody's worried about what else they're doing, or where everybody else is, or could we do be doing something better? You just gotta roll it up and, and, and enjoy it. So um, as far as me balance, you know, my, my, I once, I do feel guilty. One thing I do is I do feel guilty about you know, I'm not home Monday through Friday, you know, for dinner. I'm not home, you know, helping the kids with homework. And, and they say, you know, kids grow up fast and they are. And we just moved out to the suburbs in Jersey and we're loving it. And I told my wife, you know, I was having a lot of guilt one day just about not being home and, and, and her carrying a lot of the load. And she was great because she pretty much reassured me and told me, don't worry about it. Um, she, goes, One, she goes, two things. A, most dads are at home these days. I hate to say it, but most dads work late, whether maybe not as late as me, but they're not necessarily home for dinner. They're not necessarily doing the homework. You know, maybe they get home to put the kids to bed, but they're out for business dinners. And she did say one thing about me, and I, and I took it as a really nice compliment. She goes, one thing I'll tell you, like, when you're home, you are home. Yeah. And I don't work weekends for the most part. And she goes, you really, you're, you're home. Like, I don't have to worry about you, like, just doing your own thing at the time of being on the phone and, and so you got a good I, partner there. yeah I have a great partner and I think you know marriage is an amazing thing if you marry the right person if not you're gonna make each other crazy um, but the kids like I like you know I'm getting up earlier than I ever have taking them to school you know because I know if I don't see them in the morning for a few hours I might not see them all day back to that carpe diem are your kids are they getting it when you're home are you, are you guys at the dinner table on a weekend and phones down communicating no phones, and then you got you got to push it because you got to my back in the day when we used to talk at yeah, a table to each other it's amazing you know and, and even, even being I in remember a car. my dinner table if our house phone would ring if my I have two brothers if one of us even flinched to pick up the phone my mom was like yelling like don't you dare go pick up that phone it's well, 100% true I mean even in a car you know we used to play games like states right and you used to name yeah. a state and then you have to name the state with the last night. states and, and, and games like word games and like we would take road trips and now it's like you know if there's not a, an iPad or, or a screen in the back of the guy's headrest it's like whoa what's going on here yeah. I'm like yeah. it makes yourself crazy because we didn't have it and I don't know if it's a good thing or a young thing for the generation I don't know if it's going to make them smarter or dumber but I think it's going to make them dumber they're standing on the screen I took my son skiing the other day and we're having the best day ever like the best day ever I'm teaching my son how to ski this is like a dream for a dad and honestly after like an hour he looked at me because I I'm ready to go. And I'm like, you know, we've been here an hour. He's like, yeah, yeah that's enough. And I'm like, you know, most people go skiing for like a half a day, dude. Like half a day, maybe a full day. Closest, we drove here an hour. Yeah. You know, I just spent the lift ticket was 38 bucks. We just rented some skis. Like, like yeah, I'm ready. I go, and I know what he wants. He, he, he was ready to go lay on the couch and watch his iPad. I'm like, we're not doing that, dude. So, so you want to put in a couple more runs or you want to sit at home? And, we compromise. Yeah. Life, is always, life is always about a compromise. <laughs> but, you know. What was your family table like in the Capon household growing up? Uh, growing up, um, a lot of dinners. My mom cooked a little bit. My you're parents, you're from Jersey? I'm from Rockland County. Pomona, Rockland South County, yeah. But we, we, were, we were definitely a family. Uh, expected to be home most nights for dinner. Uh, I grew up expected to be home for Shabbos dinner on Friday night, which I, I remember I always fought as a kid. It was Friday night, you know, all, the, all my buddies were at the diner or Burger King or wherever they were running around. And I'm like, I, that's where I should be. But it's funny now. I'm going to, you know, 
it's not necessarily going to be a Shabbos dinner, but like Friday night dinner before you go running around all weekend, it's nice to sit down and reconnect. Hey, how was your week? What, you know, what do I need to know? Anything going on? What do we got planned for the weekend? And I just think to get, I think, you know, I think one of the reasons why I love being a chef is because not just do I love food and I love to eat and I could be 750 pounds by Monday morning if I really wanted to be. I just love what it does. Food brings people together. I mean, that's how we know each other, right? Food brought us together. Our, our food worlds collided and we become very friendly. And it's true. When you come into my restaurants, I feel like my brother's visiting from Chicago. Yeah. I really do. And Thanks, you've always been, it's true. It's true. And I think food brings people together. It brought us all together this festival. But even in an average dinner, like when people come into my restaurant and they have dinner together. You know, I, I met one of, the, one of my nicest new neighbors in town who's, you know, one night he was just having dinner at a Bowery Meat Company, and just randomly I walked over to this beautiful family having dinner, and I said hello. And the next day I was like, oh, what are you doing? Where do you live? And they're like, oh, you know, Tenderfly. I said, oh, I'm thinking about moving out there. And he's been, since I live there now, he's, he, I like a friend. Amazing. And it's amazing. And that's because him just eating at my restaurants and having a nice dinner with his family. That's great. Was your mom or dad a good cook? Both. Uh, really? Both, yeah. My mom was a really good cook, and my dad was... An exceptional cook. I mean, my dad loved to cook. Uh, you know, you ever went to my dad's house? He, when he when he got divorced, he moved into an apartment. You know, you'd show up at my dad's house, and he would he would offer you a cocktail, as he liked to say. <laughs> and then he always said, "You never offer somebody a cocktail without offering something to eat." So he would have what, what he called nibbles, right? But nibbles are really now tapas. I mean, he he had he had tapas out on the counter, and whether it was marinated olives or some pickled vegetables or, or, or some chicken wings, whatever he was cooking, he always has these little plates out. So I always invite my friends over. You know, nobody has any money back in the day when you graduate college. And he'd have this whole spread of like Spanish and Italian tapas out. He's ahead of his time. Way ahead of his time, except he never used to open the window when he used to cook. And he used to cook with very high temperatures. So the apartment was always smoky. My clothes always stung. <laughs> and then it was dangerous too, because then I would go to work as a line cook and I'd come home and maybe I'd be a little, maybe, maybe be a little intoxicated or something like that. And all these nibbles were still out on the counter with saran wrap. And I would just eat everything before I went to bed. So That's like, hilarious. Just, you know, but, what yeah, did mom cook? Condemned chicken. That was my mom's signature dish. It was like a braised stewed chicken. But she was, she was a good cook, and she put dinner on the table. Yeah. And I tell you, it was always delicious. You know, I, I grew up with, with friends telling me, oh, my mom's food was disgusting. We sent it all back. I'm like, yeah, I can't really eat just telling my mom your food sucks and sending it back and saying, what else you got? But aside from that, I, like, whatever my mom made, we, you know, whether, whether it was roasted chicken, pot roast, like, we, had, we had good dinner. Yeah. We ate good. Does Lori cook? Lori cooks. Lori's gluten and, gluten and dairy-free. Um, so she cooks a little bit healthier. Yeah. She loves a lot of vegetables. But listen, she takes care of business Monday through Friday. And if I'm home, I eat. I'm happy to not to be cooking. But, you know, and, and she's great. She, um, you know, but when it's go time, it's go time. Yeah. Roads where we're going, we don't need roads. You know what movie that's from? No. Come on, Never, Kathy. Never say to me, do you know what movie that's from? I'm Why? the worst. Because I don't, I've watched, I watch like Naked Gun and Dumb and Dumber and Police Academy. Roads where we're going, we don't. Back to the Future, dude. Oh, yeah. I've seen Back to the Future. Um, it's a classic. You've worked for traditional chefs. You've been to Europe, France, uh, Italy, Germany, Spain, cooking. What from from your travels there and working in kitchens there, what has carried over into your kitchens in New York? I would say respect for ingredients. I love that. Yeah, I think when you know, it, it, it's amazing. The, 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 the it bugs the crap out of me to, to watch, you know, if there's an open kitchen, I always take that stool at the counter and to watch a chef that's just flipping things with a spatula or tongs. And I'm like, that's a nice piece of food that was sacrificed. And you're just like throwing it around. First of all, you, you know, when you go out to dinner in Europe, um, you know, it's different than, let's call it New York, but 
when you make a reservation, you know, you're not going anywhere after. So if you're making an 8 o'clock reservation for dinner, that table's yours the whole night. There's no, there's no real dinner in a movie, dinner in a theater. Here, you know, an hour and a half, they want you out the door. You know, so it, it just, it's just, it's an appreciation for the actual meal, the ingredients, and just, you know, understanding where they come from. A little, I mean, not to sound like that guy, but I was working in Italy, and, you know, young kids were walking in with bags of porcini mushrooms that they just picked. You know, bags of the sickest blueberries they, they just picked. Guy walked in with, like, a, a deer that he just shot over his shoulder and the deer was like still twitching like twitching and, and you know and then the chef would give him 20 bucks for whatever it was and we're pulling out bullet holes out of the out of the um you know the, the animal but just a true real respect yeah, for where the food's coming yeah. from a lot of love a lot of love and i think so, you know here we pick up the phone you can get whatever you need but to do you instill that on your line cooks i try to this day. i try it's just tough in new york the volume the volume game is tough man yeah one thing that's tough about new york is you got to do volume and there's a lot of churning and burning because you got to pay the rent which is eight million dollars a year and it just it just adds up but yeah. I was going to ask the most challenging part of the industry today for you. Rent and labor. Tom Colicchio in season one said he sees uh, people go into second floor spaces. Yeah, it's tough, though. I can see it. Yeah. I understand why he's saying that, but it is tough, and labor is getting up there. And it, it, listen, it's very tough to run a restaurant these days. No question. Earlier, I asked three words to describe yourself. Excited, you said, caring. What three words would you say your line cooks would use to describe you? Loving and caring. <laughs> Listen, I'll tell you one thing. I don't have much turnover. And in, in the 20 years I've been doing this. That's amazing. I for an industry that has plenty. I, I think that speaks for itself. I mean, I, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you, they, they would say family. I, yeah. tr- I treat my guys, and I call them my guys because they're my guys, and they are my family. They're, they're, they, are, they are my family. I spend more time with them than my own family. When my kids come run, run into the kitchen, they know all of them by name. And these, these are my guys, man. They, they go to war for me every night. They work freaking hard. Unfortunately, most of them would rather be in Mexico with their own family or wherever it is, but you know, we, we have to take care of them because they, they work hard. Yeah, that's nice. So a big part of this podcast is social impact and giving back in Europe overly generous if there's such a thing how do you choose where you're giving your time and efforts for community related uh, events or charities and it's extremely challenging these days because i think um, uh, as well as many chefs we're all getting asked these days to do so many fundraisers so many dinners so many appearances and it's exhausting i gotta gotta tell you it's exhausting and i should be in the restaurants you know but i think you have to figure out what's important to you you know uh, look i get asked for gift certificates every day yeah. Hey, Josh, my kids go to so-and-so school. We're having a fundraiser. And it's like, you can't do them all, but at the yeah, same time, it's, you got, it, it, it is, you know, it's tough. But as far as my personal time, I mean, you have to really figure out where you need to be and But I'm sure it's, it's a healthy mix of, um, like, friends who ask you to do an event, but are there certain causes that you... That you, that you put your efforts towards necessarily? Or? Yeah, I, mean, I have a few charities that I'm involved in personally um, that, 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 that hit home. Um, but just, you know, we do a lot of, you know, uh, Bill Telepan uh, Wellness in Schools program. That's a great one. You know, all that kind of stuff. I mean, when they ask you to come to the benefit, you have to come to the benefit because your table there and you're handing out portions and your personality connects with the people there that are, that are writing big checks for these organizations. And, you know, when I go there with my kids and my kids are explaining how the, how the school is providing different foods, I mean, that's proof of the pudding right there. So, Do you instill this on your line cooks, like in terms of giving back or community? or Not so much. I'm not, no disrespect to my line cooks, but I, I just make sure they understand 
that there's a responsibility that we have yeah. you know, in the community yeah. to represent ourselves. And if your kids are in school and you want to show up one day and, you know, even career day, I mean, what, what, what job can a kid understand more than being a chef or yeah. a firefighter? Yeah. You know, a lot of daddies work on Wall Street. Go explain to a bunch of kids what your daddy does on Wall Street. Yeah. You know, uh, you might just say my daddy makes a lot of money and he's crazy all the time. But, <laughs> you know, that, you know, when I walk in with a, with a white chef hat and a chef coat, I explain the shoes and why my sleeves are long. And uh, when you go to restaurants, somebody's cooking the food. So, so to me, one of my favorite things about what I do is... But that's is, giving is, back right there. Yeah, 100%. And look, I just did, I just went to speak at my daughter's high school that she's not even in yet in my new town. And I, man, I, Cappy, I, I started just going and I was talking about some crazy, I don't even know what. <laughs> Next day I was telling them how I killed a pig in Germany and like their mouths were to the floor and there were a few teachers in the room and they were all looking at me like I was just on tangents. <laughs> and I'm like, I look at the teacher, I'm like, like, am I okay? She's like, just keep going, just keep going. And then one of the teacher who organized the whole thing came up to me. She goes, you know, we made a really big mistake having you here today. And I was like, oh, shit, I blew it. You know, like I, I got too, I got too real. She goes, no, the mistake was not having you in the auditorium as opposed to this little classroom because the whole school should have heard what you had to say. Wow. And I was like, really? He said, like, yeah, we, we got to do this again because, you know, That's she good, said man. most people come here and they can't hold the attention of the kids or, and she goes, not one kid was on their phone. Everybody's draw was dropped. I, I was like talking about college. Like, look, I went to University of Maryland and bottom line, I didn't pull my weight for two years and my parents showed up one day and said, you ain't staying here at this kind of money. Hmm. And that's how I ended up in culinary school. Best decision I've ever Johnson made. Johnson Wales? Johnson Wales, best decision I made. But honestly, I tell kids, if you're, if you're going to go to college these days, do you have any idea how much a college education is? It's not crazy. I don't know if you can curse on this thing. Go. It's freaking nuts. It's <laughs> freak, And it's scary as a parent to understand that we're going to be dropping this kind of money. And all I'm saying, kids, is if your parents are paying for a college education, you better show up to class and get good grades. Because then you can do whatever the hell you want. I didn't show up to class, and I didn't get, get good grades. And I, I, I'm embarrassed for it today. But you know, I managed to find my path. But... You know, you got you got to take care of business. Let's wind it down and wrap it up with a speed round. What did you have for dinner last night? What did I have for dinner last night? I was nibbling a little bit at Lord Fish Bar. I actually went to the William Morris party at the Delano, and they were doing some unbelievable uh, grilling, or like live fire grillings. Were yeah. you there? Yeah. They, I had I had a sausage, an Argentinian sausage sandwich on some toasted bread. Let me tell you something about toasted bread. <laughs> that is one of my favorite things in the entire world. It was nice toasted bread. It was free. It was uh, unbelievable. Uh, and they had mini Cubans. They were like yeah. roasting whole pigs and they were doing Cubans. What, what the um, hell was I? They, I got to tell you, legit. Name a smell in the kitchen you love. Lavender. Nah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Rose, rosemary. Name a smell in the kitchen you hate. Um, name a smell in the kitchen I hate. Uh, I love lavender. I don't like keep saying lavender. It's so relaxing. I don't really hate anything else. I mean, blue cheese is not one of my favorites, I guess. All right. What pisses you off in a kitchen? Lack of organization, uh, lack of cleanliness, um, uh, poor, poor self-appearance. You know, like when you show up to my kitchen, you better show up like you're ready to take the stage and, and, and play the position for the day. Um, you know, I hate tardiness, really hate lateness. Because you know, when you're running late, everybody else is wondering where the fuck you are and who's covering your station. So don't be late. Be early. What makes you happy now? Uh, what makes me happy? Um, I, I, listen, I, I'm in a good place in my life right now. I'm really happy. I wake up every day with a smile on my face. I feel very fortunate to have a beautiful wife and two kids and a great job. And a great restaurant and extended family. No, it's true. I just, I, you know, I think it's a combination of everything. I mean, even this weekend, you know, you know, all my friends around here. We're just hanging out in the sun. We're having a great time. I think. Listen, you want to get deep, that happy? I think the world's a crazy place right now. It is. I think the world is a. We're here in Florida. We all know what happened a couple of days ago. I mean, who think? I mean, can you? You can't fathom some of this shit that's going on. 
And it is God awful, man. I mean, that's not why we were put on this earth. I mean, it, 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 we, we are not living up to our responsibilities when shit like this is going down. And, you know, my kids go to camp with some of the kids in that school. And it, it, you, you come home and you just, you just look and you're like, what? I mean, you, 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 and, and, and you can't stomach it. And you're like, this, this, there's no way this happened. And at the same time, like I just, and I don't want to say I seclude myself to my world, but the food world, the, the, the people that I know, like you said, chefs are you know, generous and hospitable. And to me, there's something special about what I do and who I do it with that keeps, that keeps me going. But there's some bigger responsibilities out there, man. So wrapping this up here, you're a, a champion when it comes to food. Outside of the kitchen, what else would you want to be a champ at? Um, outside the kitchen? I, I, I mean, my other, my other true passion was studying dolphins, but I don't think that's the question you're asking. I, I want to be a really? champ. In, yeah, I, I was either going to be an oceanographer or a chef. Wow. Um, I, I think, I think I, honestly, and, and not to sound cliche, I just want to be a champion dad. I want to be a champion husband. I want to be, I want to be considered a really good friend, uh, a good partner. Um, you know, I think respect, man. Respect's a, a big word that people throw around, and it, it covers it covers more than you could possibly imagine. Um, and I think I want to be responsible. And, and you know, I, I want you know, when somebody says capon. I'm pretty confident to say when somebody says capon, most people are like yo, yeah, like like good dude. Or, or and I think that's important. It's not easy. You got you got you got you got to go every day, every day, every day. I appreciate your time, Andrew Kaplan. Everybody, thank you. Beyond the plate. Quote: Carpe diem. It's really about being in the moment and maximizing the moment. And it's really, really important to teach kids and yourself to control it. And where you are and who you're with is more important than anything else. Thanks again to Josh Capon. Find more on him at joshcapon.com. Join us next week when Beyond the Plate presents Just the Plate, a short segment where chefs describe a dish or a recipe that is meaningful to them. Find me and keep up to date with this podcast across all social media platforms at On Cappy's Plate or go to beyondtheplatepodcast.com. Beyond the Plate is on Twitter at BT Play Podcast and Facebook. A big thank you to our partner, ILA by Flavor Gallery, who supplied all of our signature hats and t-shirts to our Beyond the Plate guests. These will be coming to the ILA by Flavor Gallery site soon. Season two of Beyond the Plate is presented by Martin's Famous Potato Rolls. Martin's Potato Rolls are the number one branded hamburger bun in America, and as I like to say, they can make almost any burger taste better. I've recently been quite addicted to their sandwich rolls. Notice these are not called burger buns, as we heard from Julie Martin of Martin's Family fame in a bonus episode a few weeks ago. They're sandwich rolls because they're so much more versatile than just being a burger bun. And I agree. Martin's believes in giving back to their community. They support hundreds of charitable organizations such as food banks, after-school programs, disaster relief, and others. To learn more about Martin's, visit their website at potatorolls.com or you can follow them on social media at potatorolls. Martin's, we thank you. This episode was produced by me, along with Ian Cohen, Joel Yeaton, and Sean Petrosian. Our music has been composed by Goldford. As always, a very special shout out to my wife, Katie. Please rate, review, and or subscribe to this podcast on your listening site of choice. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Plate. I'm Cappy, and remember, there are never too many cooks in the kitchen.